The following program is intended for mature audiences. You're listening to Bottom Shelf Recording Talk. Sounds boring. Oh my, yeah. With your hosts, James Seabrook. Okay, you were paying attention, but the idea is clear in my head, but translating it into English is not. That's brutal. I understand the hypocrisy. And Joey Roach. I don't even know what you do. I was just told you were the man. Some people would say I'm overconfident. That could be my ego talking, though. I'm trying to think of the right word. Oh. Yeah. Must be a tough word. Next subject. Uh, you're bored with this one? You don't hear us gassing on about it. Give you in the horn. I don't think it means what you think it means. By the way, you know, when you're when you're telling these little stories, you have a big mouth. Here's a good idea. What are you even talking about? Have a point. Why are you airing personal matters with complete strangers? It makes it so much more interesting for the listener. All right, check, check, check. I don't know. Can you hear yourself? Why are you doing a mic check, like, just before we're recording? <laughs> That's game for you. That, yeah, that sounds like us. We've got to make sure it works somehow. Uh, turn up the headphones. Turn up the headphones so I can hear myself. Here we go. Okay, that's better. I like I'm, this. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> My favorite so thing. is your microphone working? No. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I believe you. <laughs> uh, I don't believe you. <laughs> Roland, give me a mic test. Okay, hey, I don't know if mine's working. Oh. Yeah, you don't have my uh, track arm, I don't think. Yeah, that, that's you. Uh, it is? Okay, yeah. cool. I'm just going right. to... Okay, I'll shut up. No, no, that's all right. You are that one. So, yeah. talk more, sir. Yeah, okay. Hey, hey, hey. Interesting Test. radio, yeah. Oh, James. Yeah. Very what? interesting radio. <laughs> this is people need to see the behind the scenes workings. Yeah. Do of they? Course, it's radios. So they can't see shit. But <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, um, yeah, I want to start. I want to start today. I got a few. I got a few ideas of things for us to talk about that I want to throw at you guys. But uh, okay, I want to start today. I want to start today by. Um, uh, by talking to Roland because he's been mixing this metal record. And oh, just mixing? Yeah. Record. No, um, he did. Uh, he did. You, you reamped the guitars and the bass. Right? Yeah, yeah. Because the band wanted to do it as cheaply as possible, so right. so they recorded the drums in a studio and the vocals. But then they did everything else themselves, just like DI the guitars into an amp sim, and they just sent me the DIs. Yeah, so that's well. a reamp and mix. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, and. Uh, and they're not lo- they're not local at all. No, they're not. Yeah. yeah. Where are they from? Uh, from Guatemala City. Yeah. Oh. <coughs> I hear the metal scene there is like growing exponentially. No. No. <laughs> no. Okay. <I've... laughs> I. mean, I'm okay with being wrong. Just... <laughs> it's not. No. How do you know it's not? Because I seems like it's um it's about the same uh, before, about the same that it was before I left. So. Yeah, but that was that was fifteen years ago. Yeah, still like I, from what I hear, like it's pretty much the same thing. But, yeah, so fair enough. What's the population of Guatemala City? Oh, fuck, I don't know. Is it Guatemala City? Am I just like being the ignorant idiot? Well, that's the capital. Yeah. Yeah. yeah okay. uh, fair enough. Yeah, um, so you're working on this. You're working on this on this metal mix. Uh-huh. Um, just just start from the top. What are the problems you've been oh, you've been fighting with? <laughs> Yeah. Okay. Uh, I won't say any names because yeah. No, <laughs> oh, no. No, no. Okay. No names. names. Yeah. Doesn't yeah. Okay. Uh, okay. The first problem is um. The first problem was that uh, it, it sounded to me like um the main guy and the other main guy I guess. Okay. Uh, there's two guys in the band that like 
the ones that started the band. So mm-hmm. they, they, they want different things. And one of them knows a little bit of audio, but the other doesn't know anything. Right. So they always clash. Yeah. So it was hard for me to get a, okay, this is the direction we want to go from at first. Gotcha. So I didn't really know what they wanted to sound like at first, but then I you know, kind of <laughs> worked through that and figured that out a bit. Okay. That sounds like a pretty common yeah, thing. That's common. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Then the second problem was uh, um, uh, they recorded it themselves and it's the first time they do it. So mm-hmm. as expected, uh, when I received the session, it was a mess. Right. Yeah. And uh, there were th- there were weird things like, uh, granted, if it's the first time they do it, they probably don't know anything about automation, right? Okay. Or or they don't know this basic mixing concept. So so there were parts where like they had the the DI of a guitar on one track, but then the same guitar would be in a different track because they wanted that pan to the middle. Oh yeah. So they kind of oh, like okay. yeah. So they yeah, kind of so like like they like they they had like two or three DI tracks for the same guitar track that we normally would just be pan to the left and then automate it. Yeah. Right. And, sure. and and fair enough. That that's probably just a don't know what you're doing kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Well, but, but yeah, don't know what you're doing, so how do I make it work? Oh, yeah, I put yeah. it on another track. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The problem is that it fair. was, that it's a 30 minutes, like it's 30 minutes worth of audio, so I had to go through all that. Right. So that's not mixing anymore, that's editing. Yeah. <laughs> right? Uh, yeah, what else? Uh, uh, some of the bass parts were missing. They, they were just missing? Yeah, they were just missing. Like, they just didn't, rec- like, I guess either they <laughs> record over that or, like, uh, they, they just didn't, um, um, I guess they forgot to click play or whatever, so record. Right. So, so I had right. to send it back and be like, "Okay, well, is this intentional? Is the best supposed to cut here, or or you just didn't record it?" And they were like, "Oh no, we just didn't record it." I was like, oh, "Okay, <laughs> this is not ready to mix. Awesome. If you mix yet, <laughs> yeah, yeah." Then the other major problem I found was, uh, see one. yeah, uh, I, I, again, because they, it's the first time they do it, they didn't understand how like left, right, and center works when it, when it comes to guitars and leads. Oh right. right, right. So, so they they would only send me the I guess the rhythm guitar on, on one track and then the solo played on another track, which is fine if that's what you want. Right, but there's no there's no left and right guitar and rhythm going through the entire he, song. Right, and then yeah. yeah, and then a solo in a different track in the middle. Like they didn't do that's that. That's super old school. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I, I I send a sample and say okay, if this is what you want, this is fine. But if you want it to be more like okay this you want the rhythm to sound more full and you want the lead in the middle with more effects or, or you know for more volume control then then yeah you need to send me this over right again. yeah right so and there were a bunch of those it wasn't just in one spot <laughs> yeah <laughs> yes. yeah yeah and then uh what else i had a uh, problem with that is well yeah you saw that some of some of the clean guitar parts were just not played properly some of the some of the um I had a chance to listen in uh, to some of the um, reamping sessions, okay. and uh, I got to hear some of the guitar performances. And there were at least three of them that I heard where my only reaction to them was send it back, have them play it better. Because clearly poorly played. There was there was one there was one clean guitar that I heard that. Um, I didn't think the guitar was in tune at all. Hmm. Right. And and it, that, that just might be bad fingers, right. You know, pulling and pushing on strings, but, um, but yeah, there was, yeah. there were a lot of, a lot of intonation issues and a lot of, <laughs> a lot of, um, the dog is trying to make a bed out of someone's sweater. That's my hoodie. Yeah. That's your hoodie. There yeah. you go. 
she, she's working really, really hard to turn that into a bed. <laughs> there we go. She's found it. Um, yeah, so there were there, there were a ton of intonation issues, mm-hmm. and this one guitar, just awful. It was really just awful. Um, now, in in fairness, it's going to be buried in the mix, so um, you you smother it with uh, with you know some chorus and phaser and whatever, and and it'll probably be fine. Yeah. Um, yeah. 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 And, uh, yeah, every time we would ask for a change, they'd be like, well, this is going to have to wait two weeks because I can't do it until two weeks. So let's just work <laughs> what we have. I'm like, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So now you're, now, now you're into mixing. Those are all issues before the leading mixing, up obviously, right? before the reamping, to be honest, right? Cause I needed oh. it all to be one track so I could put mm-hmm. it into the amp. Right. So now you're, um, now you are into the mix. Yeah. And what, what kind of problems are you having with the mix? Uh, oh, uh, it's the first time I mix something like this that is very dense. So, uh, I guess James just left. <laughs> no, no, okay, take him. Okay, yeah. So I, I'm started I find it challenging to mix the keyboards and the guitar so that they don't fight with each other. Because yeah. the the keyboards usually go. Um, some parts they're playing on the high register of the keyboards, but most of the time they play on the lower register of the keyboards, and that right. fights a lot with the guitars. Oh, it's in the same um, note range the same as note the range. Yeah, yeah. So I'm finding it extremely hard to make those uh, stand out. So it got to the point that I just called uh, the guy and I told him, okay, you got to decide what's more important, guitars or keyboards. And he's guitar. <laughs> of course uh, he would say that. Yeah. My trick would be to put a, a pitch shifter in parallel with the keyboards, probably. And like I've heard that. Pitch shift it up an octave. Okay. And have that like annoying high squeakiness um be the thing that cuts through a little bit more it, it wouldn't it would be like pretty low in the mix but yeah because it's creating upper harmonics of that it would allow the keyboards to kind of sound like they're in a different okay. register okay i've done that a lot with um with really low vocals um a lot of guys when they sing really low they lose a lot of that a lot of that important mid-range and i find myself on really low vocals i'll end up boosting a ton on uh like 1k type of thing mm-hmm. just to bring that low it, it doesn't sound as bassy obviously but it it brings out that that low vocal um to sit amongst the others really well and and i'm i'm just wondering if something like that might work with uh yeah, that's possible right too. like it, it, just it'll, it'll boost it'll, something that like guitars aren't really occupying like yeah 1k and and it'll probably sound gross in isolation mm-hmm. and you might have if there if there are parts of the song where the where the keyboard draw or sorry the guitars drop out and it's just the keys you might have to automate that yeah, yeah. that out or or just throw it on a different track <laughs> um but, but uh, that would be something i would i would do just so that the keyboard player act can actually at least hear himself yeah and 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 of course all, the, the trick is always where do you find where do you find that spot where the vocals don't also exist right yeah and and that's that's the that's the whole balancing act is how do i get the bass guitar in there to be clear how do i get those guitars to be clear how do i get that keyboard to be clear how do i get the vocals to be clear and they all have to occupy some realm of space yeah yeah, yeah. no it's been really challenging because there's like I kid you not, probably twelve uh, layer of uh, twelve tracks for vocals because they 
they're kind of that kind of band that do like okay just growls here but then screams here and then opera here it's like yeah. so finding those spots it's it's been hard <laughs> what do you he has he has an interesting name for the for this style what do you uh, what do you call it i call it circus music <laughs> circus music yeah just just because it's like keyboards and then so like happy and then it's sad and then it's happy again it's that uh Hmm. that opera metal yeah style symphonic metal i think is what they actually call it yeah okay yeah um do they have like an actual circus part or it's like do do no do do (laughs) walking baseline yeah (laughs) no that would be hilarious um because those are fun yeah, <laughs> I, I will admit, like they're stupid simple, but they're fun to play. Right. <laughs> yeah. Is that the is that the biggest the biggest challenge is is working those those um, those guitars yeah. in and around the keys or the keys in and around the guitars? Yeah. Yeah. The other challenge I had was um, uh, after the re the amplification, I, I kind of had already the mix in mind. Yeah. But and I sent it just to, to for them to hear how the guitars sounded to see if that's what they wanted, and uh, they tell me no, and it's more gay and it's to be more bright. Oh yeah, yeah. So it's that's brighter. Right. So, so I I, I did some uh, some EQ and just run it through some um, some uh, saturation plugins, mm. and they were like, yeah, that's it. And then obviously when I tried it in the mix, they didn't like it, and I'm like, okay, well, you, let's go back to the way I made it sound. Maybe you like it better in the mix, and then I send it back like that, and they were like, this is it. Oh, so 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 the reamping, they didn't like how it sounded outside the mix, but they did like the reamping in the mix. Yeah, like like uh, and, yeah yeah okay yeah yeah yeah. yeah that's that's common. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you, almost you almost want to defeat that in advance and and reamp then mix before you send. Yeah, I actually right? did send like not just the guitars. I sent the guitars with the drums and the bass. Like like I guess just the quick 10 minute mix that i did right. just for them to listen how it would how it would be like it'd be close to how it would normal, normal sure yeah end up sounding and uh that's when they said okay no it needs needs to be brighter it needs yeah. more gain but then i send it with everything else like with the vocals yeah and and the keyboards and uh and they were like no okay yeah so much so much is interdependent yeah, it right? sounds like they were listening to it in not the full scope of what they have going on yeah so. yeah they were hearing the missing frequencies and wanted those. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's pretty common. I think, mm-hmm. um, I, I had this argument with another engineer and then I followed it up with an argument with the band that the engineer was working with, um, which is just dumb of me. I should never argue with people except on this show. Yeah. <laughs> But well, uh, <laughs> that's partly because I know you like to argue, so it's okay. <laughs> and I struggle because you always avoid my arguments. <laughs> uh, so, 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 the, so I started arguing. My fault. I'm good at it, avoiding arguments. <laughs> so I started. Um, so I, I, I had this argument with with this engineer, and he was he was one of those engineers, um, kind of like yourself, Roland. Uh, although he he's been doing it for 20 plus years. So, um, that was why I argued more with him. He did a, he did a, he did a really, really rough mix that I thought sounded awful and sent it to the client. And all I could think of is I'd be embarrassed to show this to a client without specifically saying, I need you to verify these edits 
this isn't a mix. This is just a rough, but I need you to verify the edits. You know, do you like that drum fill or do you like this, this guitar solo comp? I need you to say yes to these things or no. Right. That's, that's kind of the stage that it felt at, right? Like I don't want to show, I wouldn't want to show that to a client. Anyway, I ended up talking to the client and they had, they had something in the neighborhood of eight or 10 different versions of the mix before they got what was called, what was called a finished mix that they then could start reviews on revisions on. And I just thought that was so mind baffling Ten versions of the mix. And then they start revisions. So, so what this guy had done is it sounds like every couple of days, cause he was, um, he's a part-timer at this point, family, um, doing the audio thing part-time okay. and, and working a day job at some okay. warehouse. I think. That's fair. Right. Um, so he would, he would spend a couple hours on a mix at, you know, at night after the kids go to bed and, and then, uh, a couple of hours the next night. And at that point he'd send them, is, is this is where I'm going? This is what I'm doing. And, you know, and then, and then it'd do that, you know, for two weeks. Okay. And then he'd finally get to a point where he says, I'm finally starting to feel like the mix is working. Here's, here's a, here's a, here's a finished version one. Um, now let's start making, let, let's start making some revisions. You know, and, and I, I know the entire time he was getting feedback from the band, but I, the, the last time I did that, I got into so much trouble, um, with the, w with the song and the mix as a whole that I didn't even know where I was taking the mix by the end. And predictably, predictably, I, I talked to the band recently and they're still working on that mix. Mm. And, and, uh, oh, really? this is, this is, uh four or five months later, um, still working on it, which is just, uh, just mind boggling. Yeah. And this, I think the whole thing seems pretty ridiculous to me. Right? I remember doing a record and then I think by the seventh, like revision, uh, like the notes I was being given was like one DB here, one DB there. And I just had to be honest with the client and be like, we're getting to a point where nobody's like we're barely doing anything to the mix. <laughs> yeah. Let's just release it. Yeah. Um, one of the best lessons I learned in that, uh, was on an album that just had its fifth anniversary. Um, I, uh, was the band uh, aside from sorrow. And I can't remember the name out of the, out of the dark into the light, I think was the name of the band, name of the album. Still to this day, one of my favorite recording sessions because it was two weeks over Christmas and uh, the four of us had just a blast um, putting that record together, experimenting. And we had a gag going about uh, um, this ugly blonde wig. You guys have probably seen the pictures downstairs of, of that like really crazy, ugly blonde afro. Oh, I think so. Yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Right. And it was, we had, we had a lot of fun around stuff like that, but when I got to mixing, um, and the, the mastering engineer confirmed this, he said, this record sounds really schizophrenic. Like your mixes are all, all over the place and the songs are all over the place. <laughs> anyway. So the mistake that I made in this one is I would finish a mix for one song, send it off to the band and then start working on the second song. Okay. And before I'd finished that second mix, I'd get a whole bunch of revision notes on the first song. 
I've never made this mistake again because it was so, so um, time consuming. But I kept doing that. I kept every every song that I'd finish, I'd send them, and they'd send me revision notes for that song and the previous song. And then I'd send them the next finished mix, and and they'd send me more revision notes, and and it was just just I had I had so many emails and lists of revisions that I eventually just stopped sending them mixes by about song five or six and said, you guys can wait till I'm done. <laughs> Cause there were so many, there's so many little tiny things that were just too early to fix. And, and, and much of it had to do with the, you know, the drum sound in this one. Like I, I like the snares in sound in song two. Can you make song one sound like, song one snare sound like the song two snare right you know a lot of that kind of stuff um and it just it just piled into this piled into this mess that uh i I basically had them start over again with all their mix notes because yeah it was just that sounds very convoluted and just like a nightmare to deal with yeah and and you know what it was it was all my fault right it wasn't their fault it was my fault because i'd I'd send them here's a song i finished mixing tell me what you think here's the next song i finished mixing tell me what you think oh and now there's you know now but now i still have eight more songs to do yeah no yeah i think maybe doing the first song is fine to get an idea of where they want to go right that's kind of what i've been trying to do just kind of like sending a mix space what i call it with no automation i suppose well i Um, would just send them like one song and just work on that one song until you get it to a point where they're pretty happy with it and then i would start working on the rest of the record with that as like the base mix to compare the rest of the songs to because chances are they're going to want all their songs to sound relatively similar to one another they're not a pop record so Mm. they were a pop record they'd probably hire like 10 engineers to <laughs> to mix all their songs and pick the best ones which is yeah, right? a weird way of working but i you got uh, the money tangent the um the first avril lavigne record um at the time i was 22 or 23 and and thought it was a fun record um but it was 10 or 11 songs produced by seven different production teams. Yeah. And the production teams were, they were, they were production teams slash songwriters, right? So they'd co-write with her because um, clearly she's not all that bright. <laughs> um, well, she was 16 at the time. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Right. Anyway, so um, I remember that being the first time that I'd ever paid attention to... Um, who the production teams were because there were certain songs that I really enjoyed certain songs that were just really, really different uh, from the rest of the songs on the record. Mm-hmm. And, and at the same time, sonically, it all seemed to work together. So certainly a credit to the mastering team, right? Yeah. Um, but that was the, that was the first time, first time that I started paying attention to like, who worked on this song? Why is this song so much different from that song? You know, why is this pop song so much different from this ballad ballad or from this? She had a couple of, excuse me. She had a couple of, um, evanescence type 
Yeah, um, she was doing like the punk rock, but poppy. Yeah, except she was. They also had a couple of songs where I don't know if Ev- Evanescence was before or after that, but um, but she had a couple of she had a couple of tunes on there that were pretty pretty dark and aggressive. Um, you, you put a hard rock girl in there, and, mm-hmm. and it would it would translate fine. Anyway. I don't know where I was going with that. Oh, multiple different producers. Yeah. That tangent fizzled out. Sorry, guys. <laughs> I mean, that, that's just commonplace for pop records anyway, to have like all these different production teams. Because they will write like 40 songs for their 10 song record. Right. It's uh Probably record 20 of them. It's a weird thing. And... I think that 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 must come out of the um, the eighties and the nineties where it was where it was all about just get the hit because well, I, the I think that's where that matter. kind of style of work did come from is like we yeah. need to find the hit song so it's just like let's write forty songs we'll narrow that down to the best twenty we'll record those twenty and then we'll yeah. narrow that even further to like the best ten or Whatever, ten to yeah. 14 songs and then of those we'll pick the ones that we think are the best and make them music videos <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah right um one of the uh um that's that's been that's been a big issue of mine um and i've known it since the end of the 90s um or 2000 ish I'm not a big Neil Young fan. This is this is my this is my perfect example. I'm not a big Neil Young fan. I don't like much of what he's done. I've, I've never been super appreciative of Neil Young, um, but I really like the Harvest Moon record. Okay, and specifically, it's because as an as a record, it works together really well. And I couldn't tell you any song off that other than Harvest Moon, which was the reason I got into the record in the first place. But, um it sounds like a cohesive thing that a group of people made all at the same time. Hmm. Right. There's no, there's no songs on there that, that hit you from out of nowhere. There's no, there's no one song that stands out specifically as a hit. It just kind of flows through in a a really nice way. And so I, I started, I, I've started appreciating or I've started not appreciating song uh, albums that are chaotic. I think that's why I don't enjoy greatest hits because they're, they're, they're not all that cohesive, you no. know? Um, but why I really appreciate certain records. Like I was, I was reading the news that, uh, did you guys know that nine inch nails is still playing? Yeah. I had no idea. Yeah. I, I thought he was old and retired. Um, but uh, I really enjoy the Nine Inch Nails record, The Fragile. Okay. There isn't a single hit off of that record, but it sounds like a cohesive piece of work. And I would never sit down and listen to just one song. If I, if I only have time to listen to just one song or just three songs, I'm not going to listen to that record at all. But... I'm going to listen to the whole thing when I have the chance because I enjoy that, that work. Um, 
Another great example. I'm sure if I sat down and, um, yeah, I'm sure if I sat down and listened to or looked at my record collection, I could come up with a bunch of examples like that. But majority of the music I really like is like that anyway. I don't typically like listening to just one song. I, I tend to want to listen to the record. Mm -hmm. But we're weirdos in the music community. Yeah. I was thinking the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> I was thinking the same thing. Yeah, most people I know are like, yeah, I just want the one song. I don't want the whole album. Yeah. And I can appreciate that when the whole album sucks. Right? I understand <laughs> that. You know, you just want you just want to hear the good stuff. Right? But uh, the Police's Synchronicity is one of my favorite records of all time. Has my favorite song of all time on it. And there are two songs on there that are just fucking weird. Um, one song Andy Summers, the guitar player, wrote and sang uh, that is a... It's a 7-4 song. Um... And it's got this, this weird, like, kind of droning, awkward movement thing of the bass going on in the background. But he's he's singing, he's half singing, half screaming about how his mother is ruining his life. <laughs> and if you, if you take it for what it is, it's fucking hilarious. But if you just take it on it on its own, you, you remove it from the record. It's just so weird. You wouldn't want to listen to it. But because I love the record so much, I en I enjoy that being part of the listening experience. Um, and it fits in. Like, even being an oddball on the record, it fits in to the whole record. I don't know where I'm going with that. I don't know where you're going with that either. <laughs> yeah. yeah, right? <laughs> Um, so we're talking about albums and being cohesive. Yeah, I know the band has to want to do that, though. Well, and and, and, and that's that's in part this of the day problem, and age, right? it's probably not the smartest way to go unless you're in a band where the audience is wanting that. Well, and and, and that's <clears throat> I think the music that, that the three of us tend to enjoy more is likely going to be a band that or, that wants to do that, right? Yeah. No, I mean as much as as much as I enjoy um pop ballads. You know, I don't want to sit there and listen to 2 hours worth of them. Yeah, no, I don't right. either. You know, one here and there might be okay. But or in Roland's case they're all painful and yep <laughs> and uh well, you're I mean, piercing yeah <laughs> i have a co-worker who just recently released like a pop record and i tried to listen to it this morning but i was just not in the mood to listen to an hour of pop music yeah yeah and there's nothing wrong with that right but it's a spam call mm -hmm. yeah Orient. I can say the same thing for Christmas music. <laughs> well, I think everyone who's ever worked a retail job can say that about Christmas music. I don't know, man. I like Christmas music. And I worked retail for eight years. Mm. You've been tainted. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, 
I just okay. We're in the middle of June and there's no reason for us to be talking about Christmas music. Yeah. But yeah. there are some, there are some Christmas recordings out there that are really good. And are you talking about August Burns Red's like Christmas record. <laughs> Did they make one? Yeah. It's just them making metal versions of Christmas songs. <laughs> That's <Yeah>. awesome. <laughs> uh, well, I, I mean, specifically I was thinking of, I was thinking of like, I really enjoy Burl Ives. If you guys remember him from the fifties and earlier, I'm sure. Um, I've probably heard. He was, he was the narrator for the, uh, Rudolph claymation. Yeah. Um, yeah. Anyway. Um, but I also, I also really enjoy some, some more modern, some of, some of the more modern recordings. We talked about this guy on the podcast, the Michael Buble, um, Mm -hmm. did a, did a Christmas record in 2011 and I really enjoy it. It was 100% live as from what I understand. And they got, they, they took over two rooms at, at um, a big studio, uh, took out the big divider wall, right. And orchestra on one side band on the other side, uh, a little, a little group of singers and everybody's playing live at the same time. Cool. Yeah, and, and I I just think it's a it's so much fun. It's very very old school, and very fun. And of course, I wouldn't pull it out in the middle of July. But but if you were working on such a record, you would be doing it right now, which is totally fun. <laughs> I would. I I I actually last night I had a uh, I had an email from a client that's this wanting to do a, a Christmas record. Oh really? Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's just—he just wants to do it for fun, you know. And, and I imagine most of it's going to be kind of karaoke style, which is fine. But um, I'm going to have fun with it. Cool. Yeah. And then, of course, I'll go another three or four months without listening to Christmas music. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I have—I've um, been enjoying lists and enjoying reactions to lists um mostly mine yeah yeah because you get so dismissive and and um i question people's lot like (laughs) let me piece of thought let me throw these this is um i got this from isotope this is it's gonna be another you're just starting uh no this one this one is actually relevant to us a little bit um is it going to be things we don't know? This is seven bad music producer habits and how to fix them. Okay. Let's, let's and, hear and what it's got. We can all relate to these. Is this going to be like the thing that recently has been going around of like how LCR is bad? Who says that? Oh, I saw a video that says hard panning is not good. And here's why. It's just... A stupid video. And I mean, at the end of the day, it's a, it's not saying that hard panning is bad. It's just saying that a hard panning is not as, not as effective as if you do not hard panning or uh, something. Sort of. <laughs> it was more along the lines of like, I don't like hard panning because it doesn't sound like people are in a room. It's just like, well, if you're not going for that style, yeah, then it doesn't matter. Uh, I don't go after the, so the, I don't think this is anything like that. I yeah. think this is, I think this is real, um, 
real world stuff and looking at, yeah. Okay. So, <laughs> um, do you guys want me to read the intro to the article? Then we can skim mm -hmm. the rest of it. No, no, nah, just what's the things. Okay. Number one, bad posture. Okay. Uh, it says, uh, okay. So this is, this is more about a health thing. Yeah. Um, but I think, I think having bad posture in a recording session with a band when you're producing a band is also terrible because it gives a really disinterested message. Okay. Right. Sure. I, I used to shit on, I used to shit on my first intern all the time because he would, he'd be working on a band of his, or he'd be working on a band that I brought him in for and he wouldn't be into the music, which is totally fine. But then he would, another spam, don't worry about it. He would, he would turn around and, and we have those, those soft, uh, happy faces downstairs. Like, oh yeah. Uh, I remember stress those balls stress balls. Yeah. And, and he would just sit there and throw them against the wall, you know, throw them against the wall and catch them, throw them against the wall and catch really? them. Oh yeah. And, and, and definitely if, not a thing you want to do in front of a client. If you are a client on the other side of the glass and you're trying to pour your heart into something, even if you're no good, I think it's the engineer or the producer's responsibility to have good posture, to, to look like they're engaged on the What's session, going right? On? Yeah. Yeah. So that, that kind of thing bugs me. Uh, but in this case, they're talking about, um, they're talking about bad posture as a, uh, as a health issue, health issue. Yeah. Man, what is with the telephone calls this morning? Someone must really want to get a hold of me. They want you to pay for their Google Norwegian Prince's transfer of a million dollars or whatever. No, man. Most of the calls I get, most of the calls I get are, um, are about Google, um, my Google listing is about to expire or something like that. Yeah. Right. Which is complete bullshit. But I got the other day a call uh, and they left a voice, but it was still in Mandarin. Oh, really? Yeah. Just in Mandarin <laughs> with like pop music in the background. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. I've had those where I looked at my voicemail and I just go, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> right. Okay. Number two. Number two bad music producer habits. Mm -hmm. um, comparing yourself to others. I don't do that. So you're special though. Am I? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you have, you have an unusual level of self-confidence as far as your music work goes. Um, See that, Mary? <laughs> Confidence. <laughs> Not ego. Isn't she sleeping? Maybe you're just dumb. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it's it got it's it's gotten me into a lot of financial trouble, um, making bad financial choices because I'm comparing myself to others. Oh, like you need to have your yeah expensive gear. Because they have an Avalon seven thirty seven, so I should have an Avalon seven thirty seven. I don't, but. Um, that kind of that kind of dumb thing, right? Or they have nicer tube amps than I do. Therefore, I should get better tube amps. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that sounds like a James. It sounds like a James thing. thing. Thankfully, I've grown out of that. Have you? I have. I don't. Oh, um, you're always buying new gear. It seems like. Yeah, that's because I'm an idiot. I'm an idiot, and I get lustful. 
it's not because I'm I'm comparing yourself. comparing myself anymore. Okay. Yeah, since I got the console, man, I got that console, and I don't feel like I compare anymore, and I don't feel like I need oh, to compare because you're a big boy now that yeah, I'm a, a big boy. Yeah. Console. I heard about, <laughs> and I want to I want to go look this up, but I heard about uh, another studio in town that was getting an SSL. Did you guys hear about okay. this? Oh no. Um, awesome. You went into debt to get an SSL that you don't need. Yeah, well, um, I'm just going to go to their website and see if uh, see if they've posted any pictures. I'm assuming this is someone other than the audio department. Yes, because they already have one. And uh, uh, by the sounds of it, it was the same um, it was the same unit that uh, that the audio department has the AWS 900 or 948. I think it is. That's uh, yeah. That's the current one. I think. Yeah. How many channels did they get? I like you know what eight? I I hadn't heard any I hadn't heard any confirmation, um, but uh, I don't know. What it, am I it, looking for? I just um, don't understand why you'd pay for, overpay for something like that. Yeah, yeah. I I mean, although for, I'm looking at this at at it like a purely business right perspective, you're gonna spend. I don't know. Let, let's assume they got a 24 channel. You're going to spend a hundred thousand dollars. It's probably more than that if it's an SSL, but you're going to spend a hundred thousand dollars on a board. And when's it going to pay itself off? Like, how, is that really going to give you so much work that it pays itself off in a reasonable amount of time? Well, I, and, I and speculate. No, this is, this is one of the big guys in town too. And, okay. and so they, uh, the I big would, guys in town aren't making that much money. <laughs> yeah, they're not making that much more. But if they can, um, yeah, there's nothing on their Facebook either. So, um, oh well. Okay, so um, regardless, well, I, 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 you're yeah. just putting your studio in a, a really bad like. Well, I, I assuming you don't have that kind of savings, and you're like getting a loan or right. whatever you're putting your studio in danger and to I have a thing that's not going to make you money. I don't think this guy is doing that. I think this guy has, has worked up to a point where it's a luxury item that he can afford. And it's, it's like an, like, okay. like yeah. one of those retirement investment type things, right? That, that's probably the way to go about it. Yeah. Okay. Number three, number three on our list, bad producer habits. Unclear naming conventions. And as we all know, this can be a like horrifying the band members' names in the track and assuming oh. whoever is going <laughs> to work on it knows who that is and what they play. Well, I don't mind, I don't mind doing that if you're, if you're keeping things in-house, right? Like if, if you're recording and you are mixing and you are doing the whole thing. But even if that, I was doing that, I wouldn't. I would just be like, I don't care. I'm putting uh, kick. Well, it, it, totally, totally fine. But I mean, or when it comes to two guitar players, I'll put both of their names in there so that I can tell who the fuck is who. I will label the guitar tracks in a way that it makes sense. Like these are the rhythm beds. These are the lead. These are the harmonies. Right. But what what I'm saying is the moment that it leaves the moment that it leaves my studio or the moment the band is done and I'm ready to start editing and mixing, I don't need to know who's who anymore. I can change the name to something that is cleaner for me. 
right? But during during tracking, I'll absolutely use um, two different people, their names if they're if, you know two guitars or two lead singers or whatever, so I can tell them apart, especially during tracking. Mm-hmm. That that kind of thing is is helpful, but. When it comes to passing your work on to the next person, you, ha- yeah, you have to have things. Absolutely. Clearer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's fine. Okay. Um, but who's doing this professionally and doesn't know that? Yeah, because like everyone who does like their first mixing job gets like sent Michael, Kyle, uh, Suzanne, and then they have to listen to the tracks and be like, oh, okay. That's what that is. <laughs> so Suzanne is the bass guitar. All right. <laughs> and it, oh, I hate when the tracks are sent to me like that. Yeah. <laughs> um, number four doesn't. Uh, number four doesn't lend itself to anything. It's unplanned studio sessions. Um. Which, uh, yeah, that um, I don't think that relates to us in the slightest again if you're doing this professionally like and the, you, you know, know this the rest of the, the rest of the, the items on the list are all you for, should know this the rest of the items on the list are all for um songwriters so okay so i'm assuming the uh the music producer they're referring to here is the songwriter producer. songwriter producer yeah. yeah all right well that's the end of that that's the end of that i uh um we did another uh, studio sessions last night mm-hmm. and I had an interesting, a very, very interesting fuck up, which I haven't done in a long time. Of course it happened live. I had two, in fact, screw ups um, on the other broadcast last night. First one, uh, I was demonstrating someone, demonstrating to someone um, how to uh, pitch shift in Pro Tools. And so we broke off a little chunk of the intro that was supposed to play in mm-hmm. and uh, you know, showed them how to, how to do that. And I undid all of that, but I didn't, um, I didn't fix the, uh, the little highlighted section in Pro Tools. Oh, okay. And it was, it was literally half a second long, right? Yeah. Not even. And so I hit record and the intro plays. <laughs> My mind goes, what the fuck? So I hit record again. <laughs> Silence. <laughs> I hit it a third time thinking like, surely it must be just, I must be hitting something wrong. <laughs> and it, and again, and it, at, at that point I zoomed in and I'm like, oh fuck. Um, Remove the highlight and, uh, and it worked fine. And Jeff, the radio guy from G Radio, he's looking at me like, fuck is going on, man? (laughs) (laughs) And then, so to make this broadcast happen, um, we got to send, we got to send the mixed thing to like three different places, right? And so, plus I have to play back audio from the computer for the intro and um, trying to not create a feedback loop, right? Yeah. Uh, so I'm using, you know, I'm using some of the different buses and, um, a handful of in and out of the console. And what I ended up, what I ended up screwing up was I have the, so that I can monitor the computer recording, 
because Jeff's monitoring what's going out to the radio and neither of us are monitoring what's going to the live stream. Um, we're just kind of crossing our fingers. Although Jeff was keeping an eye on it, but um, I have the I have the computer recording folding back into the two-track return, mm-hmm. but the recording to the computer is coming out of the main mix, just coming off the main bus. Anyway, the two-track return has a button that says assign to main mix, but the monitoring section allows you to just monitor the two-track return so that you know, you're not folding that into the main mix, right? Mm-hmm. Anyway, so I missed, and, and they're, they're right beside each other. They're literally the width of a pencil apart. So I missed the, uh, the monitoring section two-track button and assigned the two-track to the mix, which started a feedback loop, which over the course of about half a second, just... <laughs> oh, yeah. That's what I heard last night? Yeah, That's what yeah. you heard last night, Yeah. Yeah, and I did that, and I quickly figured out, like, what the fuck? Hit the right button, um, and it just stayed silent for the with my eyes closed, chastising myself for the remainder of the song. It was uh, I haven't I haven't done that in a long time. <laughs> did not feel good. That was it, though. I think. Yeah. I think. Yeah. All right, that's the end of that story. All right. <laughs> um james the weekly screw up yeah watch well, <laughs> could do it daily i should I, maybe i should keep a list of everything i screw up so we can air all those things on air no you more or less do oh, i kind of do look back onto my calendar and say huh. um <laughs> i worked off of uh i worked off of an x32 on saturday night um how was that Ah, the, uh, the X32 app I found for most of it was more useful than the, uh, X32 interface itself. Um, it it was, sorry, you know what? Easier to navigate. Okay. I've not used the app, so I'm not sure. Um, but yeah, they had it, they had it, uh, had it mounted on a, um, on an i or had it loaded onto an i on an iPad. I think it was an iPad. Yeah. Some kind of tablet. Some kind of tablet, yeah. Uh plugged in with a Thunderbolt, so I think it was a an iPad. Okay. That but, sounds uh, like an iPad. Um yeah, it was it was it was pretty easy to navigate. Um got decent range out of it. Roland, don't fall asleep on us. <laughs> Sorry. So chug your coffee. Get that yeah. caffeine going. It's still pretty warm though. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um I definitely don't prefer the uh, the X32 though. Um, In terms of digital boards, I think it's fine. I, absolutely, yeah. There's it's better than the Studio Live. Studio Live's a piece of crap. The Studio Live layout is just all sorts of complicated. Yeah, that's why I don't like it because I have to know all the stupid shift buttons yeah. and stuff to do what I want it to do. And yeah. I don't like that. I do prefer the um, the uh, Soundcraft digital consoles. The uh, yeah, I think uh, like the S one QU twenty four. You know what? I oh, haven't no. I haven't used that. I think that. that's Alan and Heath. Um, that might be the the Soundcraft. Let me just bring it up here. The, the Soundcraft. I think it was the Soundcraft S one. Um, 
S one S I. S I. S I. Yeah, I think that's the series. Not familiar with that one. Uh, they're... I like their uh, signature series because yeah. that that's interesting. Having like a twenty four channel board that you can send via USB and use that as inserts going into your computer and then send back to the individual channels. Right. Like I th I think that's cool to have like a hybrid system where you just send yeah. it to your computer and then you can tell your computer what effects you want on which channels and then send it back. That is pretty sweet. They um are all of them multi-track though? Uh cuz I I I I think know... some of the signatures are not. But okay. the the like really good ones will like the signature twenty two for example will give you like <coughs> twenty IO or something like that. It doesn't give you the full yeah set of channels that you have, but okay. you could use it as an audio interface or a uh, or you could use the USB as just like an insert line and send. Oh, and cool! Then it goes back. Yeah. That is a, that is an interesting thing. I, I mean, Behringer is a lot cheaper, for sure, right? Uh, oh no, uh, I, I, I guess I guess the, the signature would be uh, more expensive than the signature. That, that signature, the signature is, is sub, still sub an analog yeah. board. It just has a USB out that allows you to right. connect it to a computer, which then makes it a hybrid system. I just uh, I just noticed that Soundcraft's SI series now has a thirty-two in, thirty-two out um interface attached to it which is awesome yeah um i mean that that's what a lot of these boards are doing these days is just like yeah oh we want this to cater to the studio guys as well because they all want boards for some weird reason well soundcraft hasn't hasn't included a multi-track um on their digital consoles yet this, I, I think this might be the first one mm. um but i really like like take a look at this I really like how clean this this uh, this thing looks, right? Yeah, I mean, it looks like a, a really dark sound craft. Yeah, yeah, it, right. But just super. I mean, very very much like the like the X thirty two. It's got it's got all your all your channel strip controls up at the top. Is it uh, touchscreen? I don't believe so. Is mm. the is the X thirty two touchscreen? No, no, yeah. But I don't. I don't it think throws it is. me off all the time because it's like yeah. if I go without using like an X thirty two for a while, I will look at that thing and the way that screen is presented, it kind of looks like it should be a touch screen. It totally does. I uh, I, I found myself doing that on the weekend, uh, touching the okay. I want the home tab. I want the home tab. I no, you the have home to hit tab. the button underneath it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but I um I've worked on I've worked on this SI series a couple times and I really enjoy the workflow. Like it, it was whatever whatever they had done um to lay out everything was just really nice. Including including the EQ section. This was probably my favorite thing. The EQ section, three di or four different EQ bands each with their own each with their own set of knobs. Cool. Right? Instead of instead of on the X32, you have to select you high band, select, then you have then those to... three knobs are yours. Then the low band, those three knobs are for the low band. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I I uh, I really enjoyed the uh, yeah. I've 
I've used it, so I, I... But... That's fair. That said, though, when it comes to larger boards, I do prefer Soundcraft, actually. Because they actually make them somewhat simple. So that, you know, if I have to explain it to someone with no experience, I can at least be like, here's the basics of this board. Whereas, like, uh, an Alan and Heath mix wizard, like, it's just like, oh, how do I explain (laughs) this to you? Yeah. Because this thing's got too many features that I don't want to use it. Because it's like, oh, I have to assign every channel to which outputs I want to go to. and Yeah. And that that can get so tedious. It can, yeah. Whereas Soundcraft is just like, no, you want it all to go to the the two mix all the time, and we'll give you these additional sends for your auxiliaries. (laughs) Uh, So this this one that I was showing you has uh, thirty two inputs and sixteen outputs analog, and the of course the outputs are completely assignable, right? So that's a lot. I know. I know, but if you want to run stereo mixes, right, or a stereo um, Q sends, but who needs stereo Q sends in a live setting? Very fair. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, that was. Let me get your guys' opinion on this, uh, and I want to see how we are for time. Let me get your opinion on this. Um, the guy that set up the system um, on Saturday, I wasn't part of the setup. I just came in to operate the two bands at night. Um, the guy that set it up, set it up as a, um, a left, right, and a sub bus. Um, specifically, so you could control the amount of sub okay. um, if you want, right? And it, I mean, it was certainly useful. Um, yeah, I can see that being useful. But I, I've always wondered why. Because I can... Probably just to have control over the low end. Just to, yeah. just to be able to turn down the subs if you want, or turn crank the subs if you want. Yeah, I think so. I suppose. Um, it just seems like uh, like extra work. Well, in terms of routing it, sure. Yeah. I know I'd be too lazy to do that. <laughs> now he had he had just um, he had just taken a high shelf. Unless and... I was doing an install, I'd maybe do that in an install. Yeah, yeah. If I was like setting up a, a thing for a live venue and I knew I was going to be using it quite a bit, right. I, I I would route it how I like it to be routed to give me the most control. I suppose once you're used to doing the routing, then it doesn't become a doesn't become much of a challenge, especially with the digital consoles, right? I suppose, but that <laughs> that that's. Would you guys ever do? Would you guys ever do that kind of thing for a? For a studio mix, like a like just a like a sub master, but you have like your yeah. So instead of instead of like a like my weird bass trick, but kind of for yeah. the master, no, yeah. no, why not? Because I don't want an additional however many tracks that is, despite the fact that it's going to be peanuts <laughs> in comparison to no. my oh, template. Just just get the sub right in the mix. Yeah. I mean, I, I got so many things going on. I could figure it out before it hits the two bus so yeah I, I guess that's where I feel too okay well it's a good place to stop yeah. thanks Roland oh, thank you thanks Joey we'll see you guys all next time yeah next week
Follow our hosts on Twitter at Two Bodies of Water. You got that mic in a comfortable spot yet? I'm still working on it. At Joey R. Engineer. I can't even talk. I don't remember what my point was. This is a boring podcast. Um, I realize at the end of this, we didn't introduce ourselves. On to the internet you go. Go switch off.